0: Football without finding You play a football match without fang, is it? can be the greatest game in the world if there are no people left to watch it. It becomes nothing. The Rebels have one.
1: The star is born and it. Champions. That's who we are. Hey, guys. What's
2: happening? Um, welcome to all thanks. You.
1: All right, mate. All right. That's good. Is that all good? good?
2: <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Danny Dale, though hi
1: <laughs> oh. um, Tuesday TikTok. Today is the 15th of November and it's myself, Paddy and James. How yous doing? Hi, all good, mate. all good yourself? Hi. No bad, no bad. I'm trying to think of like Australian jokes right now, but I've got a mind blank right now.
0: Paddy, what's happening? Uh, smashing. <laughs> nah, good. Good, me. Uh, good good to be inside, it's been pushing rain all day, so, aye. Man. Soaking, pelting.
1: I had to go it earlier on the day, man, as most people do, they, they normally leave the house. And uh, it was fucking <laughs> cats and dogs, man, it was so bad, <laughs> fucking awful. Uh, aye, to the viewers, welcome, hope you are all doing well on this fine Tuesday evening um so as you well know unless you've been living in a cave uh we now have a, about a month's break from club football we now have the um the, the corrupt world cup they uh, taking place in qatar so what we'll do is have a wee bit of chat about celtic where we are right now and if we can do an almost mid-season review so in case any smart arse tries to pull us up and say it's not halfway through the season i acknowledge that we're only 15 games in let's look back because we've got we've got a month we've got a hiatus of a month of international football so let's look back in celtic's performance let's try and grade them talk about the highs and the lows also talk about europe as well even though the majority of us probably don't want to talk about europe I i find it a difficult subject right now europe um and of course let's talk about the world cup um aye so welcome to the viewers hope you're all doing well and of course hit the like button if you've never subscribed before then you don't need to apologize but just please hit that subscribe button um paddy who do we have in the house uh
0: everybody <laughs> good uh we've got red scotland food the bear paul mcfarlane Gypsy king uh frank kennedy how's it hanging guys uh you know bad mate just, just kind of slightly to the left of me, but, um, else. Is that a wee bit um party.
1: how's it hanging guys
0: no mate. that's my boss and my my bully. just kind of hanging <laughs> to the left it's,
1: Aye. But remember, oh, as, a, remember as a family show. hmm mm-hmm. Uh yeah. Right, hi. Talking about Australia. Uh, I think Paddy's internet is look at that face of Paddy. James, <laughs> could you see that? Paddy just kind of
0: holy look about him.
1: <laughs> right, hi Paddy. Your internet was sticking there,
0: but you're back now. Oh, you're right. Right. Uh, so must must have, have been of the, must must of be my terrible part, mate. The internet's just gone, oh, like stop, mate, stop. Can't be that
1: bad to fucking wreck the internet. Um, So the boys are in Australia. Uh, The boys are back down under and there's a total Ange love in right now. Uh, I I see that Ange has been inducted into the Australian Hall of Fame. He's only in his 50s right now, but I guess they don't have that many characters to choose from to induct into their their small Hall of Fame. Um, I'm totally fucking talking him down right now, but I guess it's well deserved. He's flying the flag for Australia um he's coming back to his his hometown perhaps um Moy as well he's in fact he's going to the, the world cup but um Harry Keogh he's gone back as well to his hometown and aye aye it's, it's a bit of a an loving and see so like gonna be playing a couple of games there who have we got who have we got we've got uh, the Sydney FC on Thursday the 17th of November and then on Sunday we have Everton the the replacements of the Rotten Mob but it should be a good one um Paddy, is it just going to be another kind of a, a couple of friendlies just like what we would see during pre season? What do you think and just hoping to get out of this?
0: I think there's a, a multitude of things that the, the club, the management, the players are hoping to get out uh, First of all, Mr. Hogg, how the devil are we, sir? Uh, Kenny's in the house as well. Let's Feed the Bear? Who's this? Uh, Michael Ross, hail, hail, new to the show. Not to the jungle, stood in the jungle many times. Hail, hail, Thanks for thanks for stopping by. Um aye. So obviously, got to Australia. It's absolutely soaking down here in Glasgow. The boys are going to be going for a bit of sun, a bit of a break. I know we're playing two games, we're going, obviously going to have some sort of intensive training, but it's looking at it's the environment that you're training in. It's still good for the it's, the old vitamin D, is good for the bones, good for the recovery. They will get a break. Um, again, it's another one of the kind of tours away. You'll get the camaraderie between the players. Guys will make kind of special bonds and got it kind of sociable stuff that goes with that as well. But as you said, mate, Ange coming home. The homecoming of Ange, the hero returns. Uh, I believe he's been inducted into the Australian, I was going to say the Rock Roll Hall of Fame, but the, the Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, which, which uh, I, b- I believe he says he was very humbled by and very honored to be a part of that kind of country's history uh sporting sporting history as well so brilliant uh, it's a brilliant acknowledgement for his for his work his effort his, his his dedication to the game and his dedication to his country um so i so he'll be going there potentially we get a chance to go back to, to his kind of his roots his his, his neighborhood go and see family friends uh, but apart from that, like the, the people of Australia, we know there's a lot of expats, there's a lot of people who've grew up, it's like their parents have emigrated for Scotland, Ireland, Yada Yada. They've grew up hearing about Celtic, they probably grew up watching Celtic, probably got Celtic heroes or Celtic supporters themselves, but they've never actually had the chance to see Celtic play in life. So this is a it's a it's a poignant moment for people like that. And of course we could be we could be unlocking the next generation of you know, worldwide Celtic supporters because, you know, when the show rocks into town, the spectators will have a look and people will fall in love with Celtic. Um, so I highly expect that a lot of, a lot of people to start taking Celtic as their, as their team. Um, and hopefully, something that I personally hope, is that we get a wee bit of news and Big Ams gets rewarded with a, a lucrative three or four years contract.
1: Aye, that'd be uh, very encouraging, uh, the cherry on top. Um, James, uh, from a football perspective, are you hoping that we, we tank both of these teams? Are you bothered? Or do you want to see the youth like Rocco Vata? I think a lot of people will be interested to see how he does, particularly.
2: Aye, aye well, I've seen his taking, was it Vata, Lowell, and uh, uh, Robert so uh, yeah, That boy must be due a testimonial, to be fair. He's been mentioned for that long, man. Uh, but not, not looking forward to it. No too fast. you just hope for for a few goals for the, the folks that's travelled or obviously the folks who are there. Uh, I'm looking to forward to the kind of the kind of circus run about it because I think you'll get a lot of interviews with Ange with the Australian media and through his time here, I think his best interviews have been with Australian media. He seems a lot more relaxed and I mean you'd listening to listen to the guy read a phone book, man. So I look forward <laughs> to that on then. Aussie Games kinda take care of ourselves, but a bit cliche but i don't think Ange believes in friendly so i think we will see relatively strong teams for maybe kind of 45 10 or so before they make the changes uh but i just got to it's a cup in it. we will get a cup if we win it so i think he'll he'll be right up for it and obviously as you say with everything that's uh coming when we're we'll getting out there He'll he'll want to want to win both games comfortably i think
1: I like that phrase, I've never heard that, you, you paid to, to hear him read out a, a phone book. Um, yeah, I, I just
0: saw that. So, so, uh, I, sorry, sorry for jumping in there, Frank Brennan, how you doing, but see uh, you for a while, actually hope you're doing okay. Uh, one of my favourite footballers of all time, Well, you're laughing at me, I'm being sincere. <laughs> uh, one of my favourite footballers of all time is the South African bomb. Australian called Craig Johnson who started out with Middlesbrough and ended up at Liverpool in the nineteen eighties and won everything. I name rings a bell. The, aye, the name rings a bell. Um, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say here online told you that I knew exactly who it was, but I've I've heard of this guy before. Uh, so you I need to tell us tell me a bit about him,
1: I could probably only tell you about maybe like five players for, for that Liverpool team and and the kind of late seventies, early eighties. Uh, no, but. I've not heard of him. Um, but quite a lot of uh, Australians, I say a lot, I'm kind of being economical with the truth there, uh, a few of them have represented Celtic down the ages. Uh, James, from you're a little bit younger than myself and Paddy, which one do you remem- remember the most out of the, the Aussies that donned the hoops?
2: Uh, well, obviously, going back, it'd be Viduca, would be the first. But uh, more recently, obviously, Scott McDonald, Roderick. Uh, scott mcdonald i feel scott mcdonald actually gets a bad rap i don't know if it's just because he was a wee a wee fat money guy but uh i like scott mcdonald and we get rid of scott mcdonald the same day we signed robbie Keane. i think i'd be right insane. and i feel still to this day that that was a mistake we should have fell down to him but no Obviously moving forward into Rogick. I mean his record speak for itself and then your weak and obscure ones like Jackson Irvine. Obviously we've seen him. Did you see him at uh up with the Viduka And Aye. then uh, Daniel Arzani as well, would never never really get much of a chance up here because he's injury, but I, I can remember them all, to be fair, but uh, talking ones, uh, talking point. Sorry, it's got to be Scott McDonald and Tom Rogick, don't it?
1: Aye. And I actually remember, you know, Willie Wallace. I think he's based in Australia, and he was criticising Brendan Rodgers. I think it was for not playing Alzani. Was Alzani under Brendan Rodgers? Aye, aye,
2: aye. 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 I think he, did he come on in a qualifier <coughs> for Europe in these crucial
0: or something like that? Have I made that up? No, I think I can't remember the exact team, but something was something's telling me to say Dundee. Um... It might have been a cup game, I, I really can't remember, but he came on and I think he got injured after about... A bad injury? 20, 25 minutes. And he actually looked quite decent uh, in the build-up to that, but no, he did he took a right bad injury after that. And I think he was one of the guys, like uh, like a Paddy Roberts, he was on like a two-year loan deal uh, for Man, Man City, and he was literally injured for the majority of it. He so, came with a decent reputation, uh, high potential, for
2: still kicking about, is he? Back in australia or something no, no idea who are oh, we talking about like Sto- arzani
1: Sto- Sto- i don't know i don't know I, I couldn't actually tell you if he get called up to the australian team you know one guy who get called up to the australian team he's an 18 year old aussie and everton everton just signed him very very recently and he was like the, the best prospect in the australian football we were linked with him but i think Quite early on, he made his mind up that he was going to go to to the uh, the glamour of uh, Merseyside. And so he, he signed for Everton. Um, but I don't know much about him, but apparently the, the boys got a, a bright future. So it seemed um, a prospect that we missed out on that Ange, unfortunately, wasn't able to use his contacts for. And John Collins was the first, I believe, to score Predator uh, boots against him. Um, aye. Uh, I, I guess for me... Um, Aye, McStay as well, he's, uh, he's over in Australia, a funny one, you know, he did his, at this time with Celtic, you know, and then just buggered off to Australia for the quiet life and deserved it, you know what I mean, aye, uh, out of the goldfish, aye, I I, but, t- I, told, I told you that one. I told you that one about Paul McStay, didn't I, Gav? Uh, when you did a, a job for him?
0: Aye, um, when, when I left school, uh, I did a bit of the landscaping and uh, we were doing a job in a, a big fancy estate in that. And uh, the only one house that had a bit, of, a bit of a shitty motor, if you want to say it it was like a blue, a blue Citroen Picasso outside the house and everyone else has got BMWs, Soundys, blah, blah, blah. So anyway, getting all that stuff ready right there off the trailer, they go around and start the back garden and uh <laughs> up the door and the next minute Paul they answered the phone. And I was like, oh, Paul McStay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, so he was he was a great guy. He spent a lot of time speaking to us and uh, that was him. He was just kind of, Get his shit ready to, to emigrate to Australia. Uh, so he was telling us all about that. So I uh, was a, a lovely, lovely guy, by the way, very friendly, very chatty, as you can imagine about Paul Bix, the great guy, very, very uh, welcoming.
1: Mm. Um, another Australian uh, who comes to mind is, uh, James, you mentioned Mark Viduka. Uh I think it was a bit of like a kind of protracted uh, negotiation. I thought, Paddy, I thought you were shaking your head at me there. Oh no, sorry, no, no. I uh, protracted negotiations uh, for us to get Viduka, but eventually he came over and he was he was shit hot. Um but his exit from Celtic was it was under a bit of a, a dark cloud. And it kind of brings me on to the next thing that I I, I was that I'd heard about the, the Ronaldo interview with Piers Morgan. I've only heard snippets of it without going into too much detail. Obviously, Ronaldo he feels like he's been betrayed by, by Man United. And it looks like one of the, the so-called greatest players ever to have played the game will be will be leaving in, uh, in bad circumstances from one of the biggest clubs in the world as well. And I was just wondering, uh, Viduka was one of those players who left and kind of created a bad atmosphere. I think it was Martin O'Neill, who, when he joined Celtic, mm-hmm. he phoned him up and he says, will you be in for training tomorrow? And he says, no, I'm in Australia and martin was obviously just kind of like sussing him out to see if he could be counted upon but paddy is there any other kind of players who regardless of like how great their talent was celtic players who left in a bad light they had a bad attitude and you were kind of gutted to see them go but at the same time they painted themselves out as a bit of a villain um (laughs) as you're thinking as you're thinking there was a few people in the mid 90s who you either blame them or you blame Fergus McCann, people at Van Hoydonk, people at De Canio. Uh, any any players that come to mind?
0: Well, definitely like, like your, your Van, Hoy, Van Hoydonk, Cadetti's, De Canio's, the three amigos, Andy Tom, including that as well. But no, in this kind of conversation as well, but he was one of the kind of superstar players for us at that time. But no, obviously when when those three decided to to kind of fucking spit the dummy out. Um it was very much it was like a waste, waste of talent, waste of time, waste of potential. Because obviously the canoe went left to Sheffield Wednesday, we ended up with Reggie Blinker out of that deal. Um deal of the Absolutely, uh, absolutely not. Um aye, so that was a that was a waste. But I'm i trying to think Viduka was going to be my, my kind of answer when you started talking about Ronaldo. But I think mm. other than that, kind of in most recent times, I think you're tough to see maybe. Lee Griffiths,
2: because um, he See, was... That he... Sorry, I was just going to say, I'm thinking maybe slightly to a lesser extent Didn't he wasn't he involved in money, but in terms of sections of support turning against him, Kieran Tierney could be a shout, because there's people, when he moved, weren't they not they too impressed with his move after his comments and things like that, and then obviously going down to Arsenal and putting Celtic on his boots, which is just birthday card fish to me, but uh, aye, he kind of turned sections of support against him when he left as well. I, I would I'm
1: defend, the one I would, of them I I, I I would I don't know the guy personally I know that, that Dale, um, he, he knows his family but I would I would definitely defend Kieran Tierney against fellow supporters who would criticise him everybody's entitled to their own opinion um, but uh, one player uh, who comes to mind, James, this might be a little bit before your time, obviously you'll, you'll remember the guy but John Collins you know, the, the, the circumstances about his departure he was the first Bosman, Bosman from a Celtic perspective, to, to leave, he left to go to Monaco. A very, very talented player. And eventually went on from to Monaco to, to Everton as well. Um, I was gutted to see him go because in the, the early to mid-90s, he was one of the shining lights uh, to, to play for Celtic. One of the, the few pe- people who could offer some entertainment to the, the Celtic crowds. And it was gutted to see him go, but I guess... He Wanted to show his six pack off to, to, to mm-hmm. the people in France and he wanted to make more money. But I that was that was one player that, that I kind of think of, Paddy.
0: Uh, John Collins. Mm. I unfortunately made the only <coughs> the, the only image I get in my <coughs> excuse me. The only image I get in my head when I think about John Collins is that kind of quoted moment when he became the Hibs manager and he's uh You've got the you've got the young talent, you've got like Riordan, Gary O'Connor, Scott Browns, Kevin Thompson's, all that kind of guys, and uh, John Collins apparently bursts in the door, walks in, looks at all these guys, and then just rips off his shirt like fucking groundskeeper Willie and the Simpsons and says, This is what you should look like. And I think for that moment on, kind of everybody was just like, You're an absolute bell Aye, very true mate, very true. Um, last week comment, wee comment on
1: Australia for Paul McFarlane. Australia could be Rocco Vata's time to grab a Celtic first team chance and impress Ange. <coughs> I, remember, I remember in one of the, the pre-season friendlies, Dylan McGeech got a chance, were playing against Real Madrid. Now, admittedly, in that game, he did get knocked clean out by Nuri Sahim. Knocked proper clean-out. I think he, he must have woke up a, a couple of hours later in the hospital. Um, but up until that moment, he was the best player in the park. He was probably the fittest and that's why he was impressed so much. But, James, would you think Rocco Vata, at some point, he has to get a chance?
2: Um, what do you think? I 100%. It's not going to do him any harm, is it, getting in amongst the first team? As we were kind of speaking about last week, it'll be a step up for the B team. Just hope he grabs it with both hands. I, I don't see to be fair, no so much recently, we've been kind of coming back and scoring late goals and things like that, but I don't see any reason why we kind of be keeping these guys on the bench, like your Rocco Vata, Ben Summers, keeping them on the bench, and if we're a couple clear getting into the last kind of 20 minutes, 15 minutes, just throw them on, give them a chance, what's the worst that can happen, you know what I mean? I'd be all up for it. Very true, very true. And there's, a, there, there's, a very, there's a very good
0: comment, getting back to the, the Kean Tierney stuff uh forever and ever celtic once i heard how close celtic came to seriously hindering Tierney's career due to running him into the ground i couldn't blame the boy for leaving and i that was that was a few of the things that kind of came out uh maybe not so much in the aftermath of leaving but down the line a wee bit that celtic or whoever was in charge obviously i won't go any names and whatnot was they knew he, he, he had issues with his knee uh i think it was his knee or his hip um didn't he give him the right amount of rest, continued to constantly play him in games. I don't know. but um, Listen, the wee, the, the wee man that down to Arsenal, he's won himself a fantastic deal. He set his family up for life. He still loves Celtic. I'm pretty sure if we were all on a job that we liked and we got offered maybe four or five times as much the wage, it'd be tempting. It'd be very, very tempting. So it, it didn't leave under bad terms for me, so he's always welcome back, hopefully.
2: But no, I'm the Are same. Okay? I agree. Yeah, I just mean I know there were sections of a support that didn't aye. come on them just with previous comments and stuff like that. I just sort of throw it out. Right
1: yeah. Aye, aye, very true. And uh, the other thing I, I, I would kind of think about with Kieran Tierney was still a young, young player whenever he went for Arsenal, and to force London on someone at that age, London is not for everyone. I, I can't, I can't stand London as a, as a city. I, I would, I've been there once. I wouldn't go back. Um, but each of their own. But to, to do that to someone, to take them out of their comfort zone, you know, and stick them there. I, I think he actually said it himself when he did that Netflix, when I also did the, the, the Netflix um, mm-hmm. documentary. He talked about mental health and how he, not that he was depressed as such, but he learned a lot about himself. And he became much more aware of how how, how vital it is to, to need a support around you um, to, to kind of cope with that, that changing environment. Interesting one. Right hey guys, um, I guess one of the, the kind of topics that we wanted to talk about, of course, was a kind of an almost mini season, uh, mini half season uh, report. Um, so domestically and Europe, I guess we'll tackle both. Um, I, I don't particularly like the, the Europe one, so we'll kind of scut over that. But why don't we talk about the the, the, the rosy part in the garden, the, the, the domestic um, season so far. So of course, we've only played 15, so don't get ahead of yourselves. Um, but played 15, we have won 14, we've only lost one, uh, goals, we've scored 50, we've conceded 13, and we've got a possible 42 out of 45 points. So for me, that's like a five-star performance. Um, but I wanted to kind of get your thoughts, guys, and break it down, obviously, with the, the Premier Sports, if you want to call it, the Viaplay, um Cup that, that we're through to the, the semi-final now. Um, but I was going to break this down into your most memorable memorable game, um, domestically, the best moments, the standout performer, and also room for improvement. And room for improvement is it can be anything; it can be ambiguous, whether it be VAR or a Celtic player or the the, the defence in general, tactics, anything at all that's a bit of a bugbear for you. Uh, so, Paddy, what's your most memorable game so far domestically for Celtic this season?
0: Uh, I know James wanted to touch on this, so I'll just briefly mention it. Uh, obviously, the 4-0 game against the Rotten Mob Celtic part. Don't worry, mate. I'm Absolutely not going to so. do any detail. I'll, <laughs> I'll leave it to you, pal. But I, I, I tell you... Have a mess i anyway. Yeah, you know, don't worry, mate. that's sure uh, I think the game that actually kinda, I actually kind of... I know there's a lot a lot of games, right? But the game that I think could be very substantial in the long run was the very first game. Uh, so, obviously, we opened up the, the league campaign at home against Aberdeen. We ended up winning 2-0 oh. and after the game Ange came out with some comments and he definitely aimed it towards Jota in particular and, and it was almost regards to like you know we're not here to showboat we're not here to kind of underestimate the, the opponent we're here to come out get the job done and get the three points that's it we need total professionalism we need focus we need concentration we don't need any of that obviously this, this isn't me paraphrasing but it's kind of along the same lines we don't need any of the Billy really big box stuff so I think because of the fact that we've and in the League last year there could have potentially have been some kind of cocky performances um and I think that was Big Ange just kind of gain a bit of a verbal slap and said listen enough of the childish antics these are professionals these are big guys we've got jobs to do get on with it. enough of the nonsense and I think that's kind of set the tone the entire season because, other than the odd blip here and there, it has been total professional, it's been composed, it's been, it's been, uh, aye, it's, it's just been solid for the most part. And and we have went out and done the job kind of early. And even when we haven't done that, we've went very, we've went right to the last moment when we've had to because football's a, it used to be a 90 minute game, now it's like a 98, 99 minute game because they fired, but we're still going to the very very end if we need to and the guys are putting everything into the game so it was good to hear that from the manager especially after the first game and especially after you'd won 2-0 at home.
1: Aye indeed and of course that warning about you need to take your chances he said that in the very first game of the season and who would have known that that would have been a stark reminder of how our European, came, how our European campaign can uh, kind of fizzled
2: out Um, James what would you say your most memorable game was was it as Paddy said the 4-0 Aye I think it's got to be to be honest the 4-0 game just obviously with being so early in the season you had well I say every day you had quite a few pundits tipping Rangers to win the league even getting into that game a lot of people were fancying them to turn the zero, and then just to go out and have the game finished again after 45 minutes it was different class obviously Jota's goal was just to kind of Cherry and tap of the icing Uh, But aye, absolutely brilliant Uh, Am I right in saying that was taking us into the Real Madrid game as well? Was that the week before the Madrid game? It was, aye Aye, aye, so opening up, I think it was five points gap we opened up at that point You're getting into the Real Madrid game And you're just obviously hoping we kick on Obviously it didn't really turn out that way But aye, just at that time I mean, it's still here, but the feel-good factor uh, About the club and the supporters and everything uh, and then, obviously, you've got McLaughlin's assist for Turnbull, which just topped off the, the greatness of that day. So we played, Aye. we played the uh, we played the rotten mob on
0: the fourth of uh, September, and then we played Real Madrid on the sixth. So Aye, Saturday, mate. Saturday, Tuesday, I yeah, believe right, uh,
1: Very true, mate. Um, I guess my most memorable game is the four three against Harps which was what just roughly about a month ago now. That's another good one for the Baldy Trucker, um, for Andy. Uh, the 9-0 against Dundee United, where Abada and Kyogo got hat-tricks. Um, but the, the 4-3 against Hearts, for me, every every time that, that you play Hearts at Towncastle, there's always something about it, there's always going to be a bit of needle anyway. The atmosphere is always red hot. I love beating them over there. And the fact that it was 4-3, it added to the, the occasion, to the spectacle. And the other thing, which enhanced the experience which probably makes it more memorable for me is it's the first domestic celtic game which featured VAR as well with the controversy about the handball with them getting two penalties it looked like as you know the common theme is now we have to beat both the opposition and VAR and the referees everything was kind of conspiring against us, but um, Greg Taylor's goal with about 15 minutes remaining in that game the smile in his face everybody was jumping and we were just buzzing to go on and do a podcast afterwards it was such a feel-good factor definitely for me the most memorable game and uh, I I think um, it'll be hard to forget that one Um, but of course we are kind of nine points ahead now going into the break and it's testament to the players and to Ange Um, so I guess I want to ask James who's your standout performer
2: See, to be honest, I think there is only one right answer to that question to this point in the season. And it's not even to say that everybody else in the squad has been below par. It's just that I feel as if we've rotated the squad quite well. And we've rotated this player quite well, eh, quite often as well recently. But I think it's got to be absolutely a country mile, Greg Taylor. I don't, I don't think there can be anybody else in the question, to be honest.
1: <laughs> I actually feel bad because I wrote down Rio Hatate but you're totally convinced. <laughs>
0: That's
2: I you need to leave. You need to leave. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Aye, uh, great, Taylor. Uh, what, what more can you say about him? Um, well, we actually we spoke about him last season, potential captain material, and it gets scoffed at. But he's proven everybody wrong. You know, like, he didn't come from the, the kind of Celtic background as such, um, but uh, Mister Consistent. And whenever you've got. Callum McGregor out being injured for a sustained period of time to see um, Greg Taylor being the, the 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 understated captain and such you know he's not the captain but he's he's acting like a leader on the pitch and off the pitch he's and a lot of people wrote more for Europe as well James you know um, people last season said i will be good enough for the, the domestic games but not good enough for Europe and ironically enough uh, he was one of our most consistent players in Europe he didn't really get Found out all that much compared to maybe some other people, but I uh, parry hard to argue with that one.
0: Absolutely, and just to echo what James says, uh, I think he's he's definitely been the standout this season. His consistency, his effort, his, his approach to everything. I think the biggest kind of surprise this season has been how much, I think you probably said this earlier on, but how much his leadership qualities are shining through in the games. I do remember Ange uh, saying that. I'm sure it was early on this season. It was it was one of the kind of interviews with Celtic TV, and it was like who's, who's the kind of the big characters in the dressing room kind of thing. And he says, well, obviously you've got Calmack, who's the captain. You've got James McCarthy there, who's a is a big, strong, experienced figure. He says, but other than that, he says Greg Taylor is absolutely massive, massive in the dressing room, uh, and and he's just such a a huge influential character for for all the guys. So. When i heard that i was like moan big man what you you've been you've been at the fucking castle made before you came on for a interview but uh no it's, it's it's definitely coming through and i think one of the games and i can't, I can't remember which one for the life me but after calman got injured and obviously Carl vickers has vickers is taken the armband there was a there was a huddle i'm sure it was a european game there was one of the huddles at black and greg taylor's actually the guy that's dishing out the orders at, and you're like What's he doing the foot? Vickers was the captain. And big big Vickers is just kinda he's just kinda hopped over with the, the fucking the, the devs there. And there's V. Taylor telling everybody their jobs and right away. I was like oh, right, I get it now. I understand it. But then the performances are showing it as well because he's here, he's there, he's everywhere, he's defending, he's kinda popping up midfield in that inverted fullback area, he's spreading the ball out well, he's his distribution's been fantastic this season, I think. And, and, and obviously, he's added goals into his, in his game as well for Celtic.
2: Well, just to touch up, literally, I was just going to say, my thing with Greg Taylor, and I've said it a hundred times last season, I was a wee bit late to the Greg Taylor party, even when everybody was saying, oh, he's brilliant, he's really kicked on. Admittedly, I was, I, I'm not really seeing it just yet. And my main criticism was, he wasn't particularly good at anything. He was just kind of average across the board. He was the quick, he was not strong in the tackle, he was not scoring, he was not assisting. He, he did not have a standout attribute. But literally, I kind of disagree with a word you've said there. Absolutely every part of his game has come on leaps and bounds uh, in the last year or so. I actually read, I think I read a thing on Twitter. Um, it said in his younger days at Kilmarnock, he actually used to play as a centre mid. So, yeah. obviously, with the way we play Fitba, that's, that's obviously helped him out massively as well. But... I, I, I you can't praise him enough this season. I don't think he's let us do it once.
1: Aye, I, I um I I, I can't I can't disagree with that at all. Um and talking about kind of performers, uh who do you think? I'm looking at the stats right now, domestically, who Paddy or James, who do you think has got the most assists for, for Celtic this season? O'Reilly. Yeah, O'Reilly with seven. Is that- aye aye he's played 15 games and he's got seven assists no goals the drink comes next jota nah, i mean fucking james oh is on fire God. jota's got right
0: right hello am obviously used to hi <laughs>
1: uh, and um right even like people at like Maida and Turnbull, they've they've been um Contributing as well with, with four apiece as well. Uh, top scorers, though. Um, kyogo he's got ten. Abada, i get seven. Again, you know, Abada, like, his numbers are just always standing out, even though a lot of people still haven't made their mind up about him yet. Like, I'm, I'm talking about myself here. Um, marcus he's got six. And Jota has got five as well. Um, best moment. Best moment. I'll take the lead for this one. James, you actually mentioned it earlier on. The, the game against the Rotten Mob, we're already 3-0 up. We scored three in the first half. And what we're trying to do better than what we did the previous season, where we scored three against them, but in the second half, there was no goals. But McLaughlin, their goalkeeper in the second half, he handed up on a plate to us. He was trying try, try to pass it yeah. to the back. Well, your female downer, like, what the fuck are you thinking? What are you doing? He tries to pass it to the back, and he hits it pretty much straight to Turnbull. The Turnbull just gobbles up that chance and that was uh th- there was all already going to be humiliation by beating them you know but the manner which, which with with which they capitulated it was uh it was the icing on the cake it was fantastic so that was my best moment of the scene uh, of the season beating them at home nothing much is better than that and from a, a football perspective but the manner which how they how they crumbled it was it was delicious uh, Paddy, what was your most memorable moment? <sighs>
0: nah, I can't deviate away for that, mate. It was it was it was glorious again because the last time we played them at Celtic Park, we, we 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 blew them away. First half we blew them away last season. It was 3-0. And then the first game of the season, you know, I, I think it was yourself that said it earlier the have been james it's funny too easy anyway. um you, you know the pundits were still giving it oh i was going to going to tip them we won the link and they're going to come back bigger and better blah 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 and then the first game at Celtic Park, part what happens we beat them even better than we did last season beat the phone though absolutely thrashed them you know you had enjoy chip and the keeper you the keeper making an absolute arse of Fucking, aye, magic love beating them but i love i love his beating them with loads of goals and loads of in your face stuff and get up he's... Mm-hmm. uh James... but other, other, than, other than that other than that other than that i would mean, have to say jackie mack last gasp winner that's what i've went Not for as only, well. only a few weeks ago
2: right i've got that and kyogo against indy united pretty much pretty much the same but aye you go for hating the world wanting everybody hung there on and quartered and then 30 seconds later the world is all good again
1: aye aye um they, they actually equalized in stoppage time didn't they And then like what two minutes later we equalized what like, the 95th 95th minute
0: oh that, that was outrageous man Fucking outrageous uh, do, my... do, you, do, you, Gav, do you think that that's better than ralston's last season against Ross county
1: i would say uh oh, it's difficult it's a really good question i would say ralston just takes it because at that point mm-hmm. the gap between us and uh, the rotten mob was much much closer yep. and like yeah yeah i would go for ralston but just by mate. just
0: by a balance uh...
1: <laughs> yeah totally um there's an interesting debate going on in the comments about um I think it was frank brennan who had reminded us that we're coming up to the 30th year anniversary of fergus mccann and how he's a uh, which is it fair to say he's a polarizing figure in celtic's history paddy because i was just going to kind of continue on with that that Woodsy followed up with we should name the north stand after him and that's something that we did mention a couple of weeks ago i think on the pod although i think there was might have been a a mixed reaction to that but jenka is reasonable to describe him as a polarizing figure in celtics history
0: oh, aye, absolutely um i think i think time's been been kind to some of the opinions about uh, fergus mccann because i know and i understand why he was a was why he was a kind of a hate figure among some of the celtic support back in the day uh you know he came out and kind of bashed some of the celtic support and kind of some of the songbook and whatnot um there was the business aspects as well you know first and foremost your cadet is leaving your boy dogs leaving and then there was the then there was the the kind of the the saga we we won jansen the guy who stopped the 10 came in and then he was away again um so you you can understand why it was a bit of hate figure back then but as i say times a great healer and I think a lot of the people, you know, kind of realise that they're maybe a wee bit out of order. And yeah, listen, the, the, the guy, the guy was a major influence in saving this club. So for anybody to do that, is, uh, he's, he's, he's 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 part he's part of Celtic folklore. And since obviously he came into the club, Celtic have gone from strength to strength, and almost almost a case his legacy loves on, do you know what I mean? Because we're one of the we one of the best well run clubs in the world. Uh, given what was stature well, given what position uh being stuck in Scottish football. Uh I so feel fair player. Uh I don't think I would be naming stands after him for the for the obvious reasons that I said the last time that I don't think that he would want that himself. Because he was a Celtic supporter, he was a businessman, he came in, he'd saved me, he saved what he he said sorry he did what he said he was going to do he's going to come in buy celtic pay off the debts save the club and walk away with money he did that everybody's happy and i'm actually quite glad that the last time he came over to celtic Party, he, he, he got a rousing reception uh so mm. fair play
1: yeah yeah uh, james I, I don't know if you've ever known this or heard about this a rumor that i i I read on Celtic Wiki, by the way, a very, very interesting website, Celtic Wiki, filled with uh, weird and wonderful facts about Celtic. But there was a rumour that Fergus McCann, uh, whenever he was in charge of Celtic, he wanted to incorporate a Scottish thistle into our logo. Can you imagine if that took place? I think he, he would have been hated if that happened. <laughs> Fortunately, um, he realised, he realized, he, he, cannot, he read the room, and he realised that that's not something that could ever happen. And uh, the the plans um failed to materialize. But can you
2: imagine if that would have happened. Aye, right decision was made there. See, just in the topic mm. of the badge, a we random question?
0: Oh so, get how <laughs> bits at the side,
2: the wee bits at the side, the wee kinda uh the wee the,
0: the wee jaggy
2: lines. Do they represent something or is that just part of the design? Use of off roads again. <laughs> Uh, it looks, kind of looks like a bat. Um, aye, that's what I was going to say. Uh, i was just wonder if it represents some. Some have always wondered, but never actually bothered to Google.
0: So, it's actually a very good question. <laughs> no. my sh- my sh- to say no, <laughs> Kill that conversation, aye.
1: <laughs> no, I know. Uh, Frank Brennan, Fergus was a hate figure amongst amongst a tiny minority of the support, and similar to the Morans who picked on Tierney, and he had to be... Abnoxious or anxious in your face? I don't know uh, in your face. Um, by the way, I've got to hold my hands up. When I was a child, after after we won the league in '97, um, the following season when we unfurled the flag, it felt like the entire stadium was burning, and I was I was there. I never said to Andy, "Shop," he's a really nice guy, so I must be I must be part of that. However, years later. I recognize that, and I think a lot of people disliked him for, uh, amongst other things, Wim Janssen had left right after winning, and everybody blamed Fergus for that. I'm sure Fergus, he, he was certainly too blamed to an extent, but he had a very, very strict policy, and it just wasn't going to work out. I think the writing was on the wall anyway. I think Wim Janssen had told Murdoch McLeod it was going to believe, and that, that things just weren't working out. But I was actually there on the day when uh, Fergus got booed, and I was also there many years later when he came back and uh he, he received the, the the reception that his legacy deserved so anyway uh moving on by, 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 by the way
0: absolutely sorry there's um Michael Ross uh it's a disgrace Frank I don't know what the conversation was my apologies a uh, good place Tommy Burns I forgot to actually say that Tommy Burns was obviously one of the reasons why uh Fergus McCann was a bit of a, kind of, a hate figure as well because Tommy Burns Mr Celtic you know, the local lad, Carlton boy, you know, he had a few run-ins with we, McCann we and ended up leaving the club. So I think there was a wee bit of a bad blood there between uh, certain sections of the Celtic supporters because of that as well. So, aye, till mm-hmm. mm-hmm.
1: Um, Right, okay, so, are we talking about the World Cup? Oh, fact, no, one, one other thing, one other thing. Um, we're still doing the, the mid-season rev- review, uh, totally forgetting about that. Um, europe europe i guess let's talk about europe um so
0: <laughs> i
1: think i think there was a kind of you laughed at
0: comments you laugh at me mate no Which i'm just no just <laughs> can we just do de- a an Brexit and never mind europe no <laughs> <laughs> <is>. ah, i'm like i'm i'm right so
1: real madrid leipzig and Shakhtar. a lot of people were writing off Shakhtar, despite their, their long relationship With the champions league um because of the circumstances in europe and the fact that they were displaced playing in in poland leipzig a lot of people mitigated their threat by saying well the rotten mob put them out of europe last season so if they can do it we can do it and of course real madrid everybody was kind of just happy to play them to an extent although there, there were some some people cavalier enough gallus enough to say that we can go through and we can finish second in the group. Uh, people were expecting six points from home maybe even nine points from home. um James, after the opening game when we played real madrid um i actually it, some i had the effect of making people even more positive, more ambitious, more um favorable about our our luck, our chances of progressing because we we competed well for what an hour and then we kind of get tired. We made a couple of silly mistakes. And of course, uh, Real Madrid, they turned the screw. They, they, they scored three goals and that was that. But a lot of people were encouraged by that performance and people became more optimistic about our chances in the remaining uh, games. But how things changed. Um, do you think that, that 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 game was just a kind of a false, false illusion that gave people a false impression, false hope?
2: Nah, not really. See, to be fair, that's probably the story of the group stage through all the games. Even. The Leipzig games maybe no so much because I don't think we maybe played as we should have in, in both games against Leipzig, more so the home game. Uh, but see, to be honest, see it, look, Real Madrid, Real Madrid, I mean, you're, you've got to be lucky to even take a point after from home or away. But see, when you look at the balance of uh, chances, even a game in the Bernabeu, I mean, I know obviously the scoreline tells a different story, but even earlier, we had chances. Is the same way we did at Parkhead as well. The Shakhtar away game, to this day, I, I still don't know how we managed not to win that. That's probably the one you look back on and you think, right, that, that was an easy three points that we've slipped up on there. But the, the Leipzig games are the disappointment for me. As I've said on here before, when the group eh, was drew, I would have took your honour for third. I would have been happy with that. That would have been kind of progression for me, eh, well, obviously into the next round, but in the sense of eh, the team in Europe... Uh, but looking back I we played well But I think overall you, You'd you have to see it as a disappointment But then at the same time As I've seen in the comments 100% it is a learning curve You just hope this time next year We're, we're the better for it year, uh, Players are another year older They've now got that experience under their belts And we just hope we kick on And the, the chances that we create We actually take them next year
1: mm-hmm. um, I guess the most disappointing result for me was away to Shakhtar, well, we had them on the ropes, we conceded a daft goal, um, Mudrik clip. in fact it wasn't a daft goal, but uh, we, we conceded, but we had ample opportunity to to, to get the winner, uh, we were head and shoulders better than them, um, and when, whenever we did the podcast that night, I, I was crestfallen, I, I, I was just so, so disappointed. Um, Paddy, if the domestic campaign, if you want to say that, it'd be a five star, a rating. How would you rate the European campaign? And of course, if you put it into perspective, last season we were new to it. We were playing in a, a lower calibre competition and we were learning about ourselves, you know, learning about our capabilities and getting to know each other. But this year, the competition went up massively. And although we were in a better shape, better position, the, the competition, the golf, was maybe a little bit too much to to, to 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 bridge. So again, if it was a five-star performance for the domestic, how would you how would you rate the the European? And one other question about the European campaign is it a time for scapegoats, or would you just say we need to take collective responsibility as a team and just look forward to next year?
0: Uh, if I'm rating it out of five, I would probably say a strong two and a half. And um, clearly, clearly there was issues there that we we, we've, we failed on but I think I think if you look at it you know it was my first season the Champions League we, we've not played there consistently at all in in, in many years so it's very hard just to just to just total in and be the the fucking big boys in Europe especially when we we've got so much of a gap you know when we go from domestic level to European it's it's very very hard to bridge because we're no used to it but I think the good thing for me and maybe a lot of folk was. That like even Real Madrid, Real Madrid game, everybody that I spoke to, everybody that I know, myself included, were all very optimistic about that game, You know, nobody was walking up to Celtic Park, going, Oh, for fuck's sake, we're playing Real Madrid tonight, we're gonna to get scudded. I never heard that once. I heard everybody was, was was full of positivity. Everybody was like, No, I think we could take something off of them because that's what the that's what the manager, the team, the players have installed and and the the atmosphere at celtic park and, and the celtic supports so for us to go out for the first 50 60 minutes and be the better team was was extremely encouraging obviously Callum mcgregor hits the post. you could have been one up against the world champions current world champions current european champions the best team ever in history the best club in history sorry the most successful club in history uh no charlatans um a bad I could have scored. So we, could, we, we had so many chances and we took the game to Real Madrid. And the most positive f- thought that I can have about that game is that our standards and our approach in that game, Real Madrid had to raise their levels to the levels of Real Madrid to beat us. I know they, I, I know on paper that they, they, they beat us flat. Eh, they beat us, well, beat us, they beat us 3-0. But that was the 3-0 game. You know, Luka Modric had to turn into fucking ball on dortmundrich uh, against us so that, that that's the kind of opposition that we came up against and that's the type uh performance that we made them turn out and i think even uh ancelotti said it as well you know he's very very respectful very positive about celtic's approach uh the shaktar games aye that's that's the games that give a hoping would pay at least to give it a go potentially six points for uh just unfortunately we came up against a guy called mudrich who is going to be? He's going to be a top world-class player uh, for years to come. I'm very, very sure of it. Leipzig, I know Leipzig was a hard one because before we played them, they had they'd suffered defeat. Uh, the manager got sacked. Uh, fucking Dominic Tedesco. I know you like you like his name because you like the B song. And they got Marco Rosen. But when <laughs> by the time that we eventually got them. They had turned the corner. They had that bounce-back ability because of the new manager type thing coming in. But they were a very, very good team when we played them. Very composed on the ball. They've got a lot of superstar players as well. You know, don't forget, they just signed, re-signed Timo Werner for like 35 million. Christopher Kunku is valued at about 90 million. You know, this is the types of guys that we're coming up against in Champions League. So I think, although it certainly wasn't anywhere near good enough, Uh, in terms of results, in terms of points on the board. I think we can still hold our head up high that we actually, we went into these games with a positive approach and we actually tried to go and play football against these teams. We're a new team, we're a manager who'd never played the Champions League. Many, many players within the squad who'd never, ever played the Champions League, still very, very inexperienced. So, aye, we missed chances, Kyogo fluffed his lines up 10 times you know Maeda fluffed these lines this one Mr Sitter, that one Mr Sitter. it's just it's it's kind of the same old kind of bad luck story for Celtic but it's still it's still a bit positive for me because I think what everybody else says this season will be a massive learning curve if we go into the Champions League next season which I'm pretty sure that we will not if we retain the nucleus of this squad that squad will be they will have Champions League experience, they'll know the levels that they need to rise up to. Uh, and hopefully if they get in a couple of key additions, maybe a couple of upgrades, then we can perform very, very much better next season in the Champions League. And you're only you're only you're only you're only going to do that, mate. You're only going to be a good Champions League club if you have consistency. And I mean consistency as in appearances in the Champions League. You can't, as I say, you can't just walk in one year and expect to, to fucking have fireworks you know i mean you, you need you need consistency and that's going to happen under pasta probably he said it he says i don't want us to just be a team that gets there this season maybe next season i want us to be there every single year because that's the level that we should be playing at that's we're seeing, that's where we should be we, we should be aspiring to be as playing in the champions league every year so it's going to be done and i believe him. i believe what will happen
1: well said mate well said good comments there um, James, before I get your your kind of your thoughts on that, um, there was one comment for forever and ever Celtic. It said you can't knock the optimism of any football fan going to a game and hoping for a result, even against the Madrids of this world. That's why we go to games from the lowest league to the highest. Very well said. Um, James, hope is something that, that, that's the, the last thing to die with a football fan and I, I guess the room for improvement for me, if we look at the kind of mid-season review, is of course Europe um, and Paddy was talking about us growing collectively as a group and taking the chances next season. Um, so, how optimistic are you that we can try and make our mark a little bit more next season by playing this positive football?
2: That'd be very confident, to be honest. Obviously, a lot depends on on the draw for the group stages. I think the draw was probably favourable to us this time around. Uh, so you need to hope for the same again next year. But oh, time will tell, I suppose. But uh, I, as you see, noticing the difference in the players, Like for me personally, Abada was the main one you noticed the difference between uh, the, the chances he missed. I'm sure he missed one against Real Madrid, right? At, uh, more or less for the kickoff as well. But then you see him against Dundee United when he scores the fourth, the wee dinker, the keeper. See if that boss gets stars on it. It's going in the car park. So it's <laughs> hopefully just that we kind of switch and, as I say, there'll be a, a year better for it. So yeah. hopefully we kick on next year.
0: I think I think she, she talked about Jota, other than the, the last game against Real Madrid. And I know he, and I know he missed a couple of games with injury, but I think Jota was one of the guys who, for me, kind of struggled to to make the step up for being the big dog in Scottish football to playing against like your Real Madrids and, and this and that, uh, especially the, the Real Madrid game I thought it was terrible and and I, I know he was up against kind of world-class full-backs and that so I'm not really going to have a quote for his attacking sense, it was merely the fact that he left Greg Taylor very much exposed on the left-hand side far too many times, he wasn't tracking his man back, he wasn't getting involved, he wasn't switched on, I think the game as I say, when you when you come from playing against like the Ross Counties against St. Murns, no offense to anybody, but then you go and play Real Madrid and Tractor. It's a totally different ballgame. And the game is amplified by about ten times the speed, the ferocity, the pressure. These things can happen. And I think Jota being a young guy, you you could you could see you could see the <clears throat> you can see the frustration in him. And you can see that he knew he was better than that and everybody knows that do you know what i mean and obviously by the type he came to play real madrid at the Bernabeu, you can see that he had a bit of swagger back he had a bit of confidence back about him and then he goes and he's probably fulfilled his dream a score a goal at the Bernabout against thibault courtois one of the best keepers in living history so they things will stand better for players like that getting into next season greg taylor he's had his he's had his uh he's popped his cherry the champions league and he's performed very very admirably i would say your carter vickers your guys like that who come into the champions league and very very un celtic like we actually played the ball about consistently at the back you know we kept possession well something that celtic defenses have never ever done as far as i'm concerned in the champions league we've we'll, we'll always been under pressure we've we'll always been playing hoofball but between heart the center backs and the two full backs we've played very very well you know what i mean we've played consistently we've played strong played brave and we've done it well so that that that's that was one of the big positives of me coming to the champions league
2: the, mm-hmm. one of the things that i feel just to add on to that as well and i don't think it will happen because i don't think it's kind of in angie's style but one thing i think we miss and obviously it's easy to name but see like a winyama type player i know a lot of people say it but there was a lot of the games I th- think it was the first Real Madrid goal at Parkhead. I-, I could be mistaken there. But the ball kind of breaks in the halfway line. And I think it's Carter Vickers is there. And he kind of tries to go for it, but he knows, obviously, he's the last man. And I just feel if we had a midfielder there, that would just stay back, no ball going forward, but just somebody that would tackle their and just absolutely like, destroy everything, as I say, like a Wanyama uh, type. and Because I-, I felt as if even... I mean Real Madrid, Real Madrid. As I say, I mean that's they can still comfortably beat you whether you play that type of player or no. But even against like Shakhtar, home and away, the, the away game, I, I just felt we were we, we didn't even look like conceding. But then all of a sudden, briefly, it gets turned into a game of basketball again, and and you've conceded a goal. Similar to the as you were saying, the Madrid goal at Parkhead. See, for me, I, I think it's Juranovic that's chasing him back. Pull him to the ground, take a boot and yeah. reset and go again. That I just feel as if that that's something maybe being a wee bit more street-wise and maybe adding a player in there. Obviously, McGregor being injured is a massive miss as well, but adding a player in there that's so focused is just to break up the play and then let your O'Reilly and Hitati go on and play their more natural game further forward. I feel that would make a massive difference. Everybody was saying this is what this Ablager was meant to be, but obviously we've no seen no, seen enough of him. And there are possibly two things that I'd like to add. I still think, regardless, Champions League, or Europa League, Conference League, whatever. I'd like to see somebody come out, yeah, somebody else come in and take Starfield's place, a starting centre back, and possibly, possibly a new goalie.
1: That's what I want to hear. Ruthless decisions about upgrading first team players. I want to hear more of that. Well done, James. I asked oh, Paddy okay. a couple of weeks back. Um,
0: uh, i will just it to that as well, Gav, Just, just to, just to tap into the James's answer there. Totally agree with you about the the kind of the midfield general. I mean, you look at the greatest teams in the world, but like you're Patrick Vieira, you're Roy Keane, like you, uh, Casemiro from Real Madrid, uh, and go, and, and go, Cante, your Busquets. You've always got to have somebody there that kind of kind of dominates the midfield, and you need to have a balance. I think. See, when you've got all these guys that can play lovely football and be nice on the ball you still need an ugly person not necessarily in the face but like an ugly player um, mudrick was one of the instances where the team you, you could see the deficiencies in the physicalities there because he just he was like a he was like a horse he was almost a bit samarask-esque like nobody could see when he was in full flow you couldn't just him. Near him. he just ran by everybody it was like a game of fifa he just kept running and running and running and nobody could get near him but the one that kind of stood out for me a lot was was actually the leipzig Seat celtic park and it was before the it was before the guys had even got out of the pitch obviously the the, the players are lined up the tunnel and you've got the camera kind of pan down on the the, the two squads in the tunnel and i was like "Fuck me man there was all the Leipzig players and there was the Selec players. They all looked absolutely tiny. And then that's what happened as soon as the Leipzig players got over the pitch. Apart from the fact that they showed themselves to be a great team, they, they, they kept possession well. The the You can see their formations and their tactics kind of moving about as, as is expected doing modern football. But they guys just physically dominated us for pretty much the entire match. So I, I would absolutely 100% love to see a big smasher. Or a smasher coming into midfield i think jackie Marcus could be utilized more in europe because of his physicality uh and i i would i would love to see another defender coming a bobo baldi-esque type player <coughs> but joe hart, joe hart i see where you're coming from i see where you're coming from he has been a great servant thus far for celtic i still think he's got plenty left of him I'm more than happy to have Seagrist there in the squad as well. I think he's going to be a good backup, and he will push Hart to an extent. But I think potentially we might have to be looking towards the future, mm. and if we're going to get if we're going to get potential superstars in, we might need to do that with somebody who's a bit younger.
2: I just to back and touch on the Joe Hartling, uh, I mean, even looking back, obviously Fraser Foster, <laughs> Craig Gordon, maybe to a lesser extent uh foster again then obviously his fall back is boric we've always had keepers in our recent history that you can remember saves that they've made obviously everybody remembers foster against barca boric mm. saves against ac milan i think gordon maybe no so much but he did have his moments as well obviously it went tits up towards the end but uh I, I, joe hart i i can't struggle i mean i know one of the qualifiers last year they made a cracking save and it was celebrated like a goal but I think that was mere just after the back if we actually had a keeper that would use their horns and make saves but I don't think there is a, a, a kind like, of moment you'd go back in Europe this year and say oh, Joe Hart was brilliant in that game and mm. at the same time it's not a slight in Hart because it's no saying that he's threw balls into the net at all but I just don't think he's he's had that kind of standout performance in Europe that you'd maybe associate with, with Eric.
1: I agree, I agree with you. Thank you. That was actually one of the questions I was going to ask you. How long will Hart be with Celtic for? Can you see Ange being content with Hart being our number one? Or do you think he'll be studying a potential replacement for him? I think he's of that age. Well, we should be looking for a potential replacement. doesn't have to happen immediately, but we should be looking anyway. If we're not looking, then we're doing something wrong. Uh, I, so I agree with that. Uh, guys, we've actually spoken for just over an hour on Celtic which, which was surprising because we were also going to talk about the World Cup um, So are you are you guys game to have a wee chat about the World Cup Before we, we conclude for the yes. season, yeah? Fantastic Right, guys, so with the World Cup commenced I think it's going to be on Sunday um, Sunday,
0: yeah
1: It would be remiss of us not to actually talk about it We're going to have to talk about it um, it's still football at the end of the day. It is the sport that we love. So we're going to do a wee feature uh, talking about from a, a nostalgic point of view, What what's your most memorable childhood tournament and why why do you remember about it fondly? What, what, what sticks out at you? So James, I think you were going to go for 2002, that's in Japan and South Korea, is that correct?
2: Aye, 2002 for me, as I say, I vaguely remember wee bits of 98, but the first kind of proper, I can remember everything, is 2002. And that opened up with one of the kind of me- memorable moments. I'm sure it was the first game was France against Senegal. Eh, and Senegal bet France 1-0. And it was a celebration that I always remember, the guy taking his tap off and the late down the Ost started dancing around about it. Eh, I was, remember, that, was, how, it was, was that part of the video? That's the one, aye, and it was the head thing. We oh, his name just went right out my head. Uh, guy Spat and the Celtic supporter for juff Ah, fell Jef Jefel had uh they had him as well, aye. But France, just getting into that, just touching on France, they they won it in '98, didn't they? The World Champions. They did, yes. They did. And then they they went out in 2002 without scoring a goal, out in the groups. Uh, and the other kind of moment that sticks out for me as well. Obviously the Brazil team was different class. Obviously went only to it. But do you remember Rivaldo's dive against Turkey? Yeah, that was because yep. uh, the guy gets sent off as well for that. I'm sure. Yeah. And then uh, obviously Rivaldo went on to get fined. <coughs> uh, but just overall, obviously you'd uh, thing we you as well. Uh, but I can't remember names tonight. Uh, Ronaldinho well, against you know, I against, uh, against David Seema. Seaman. Seaman, and then obviously, Robbie Keane's last minute equaliser against Germany. But see, even just the, the kind of overall, the players that played in that tournament, some of them were frightening because Batistuta was still kicking about in 98. And then you had like and Crespo coming in as well. Obviously, pretty much the full Brazilian team. Ronaldo, different class, top goal scorer. Rivaldo, eh, Ronaldinho, as I said. Ray Costa, Figo was at the Peakies Powers, Del Piero, Miroslav Closer, that was actually his first World Cup. And then obviously you've got uh, Larson as well. And the thing that I actually looked this up earlier, <coughs> because I had it in my head, but I, I couldn't remember if I was right or not, so I looked it up. Am I right in saying that we, inverted commas, replaced Larson with Henri Camara?
0: I. No, no, that was 2004.
2: Aye, but I mean when Larson left, it was Henri Camara on next
0: number aye, 7. Aye, aye, yeah. we signed him for... No, no, was, no, no, it was Henri Camara. Uh, we signed him on loan for the rules for 1.5 million. I think. And because, I'm sure Bella came after that.
2: Well, in that 2002 World Cup, Sweden played Senegal, I think it was around a 16. And Senegal won 2-1 after extra time and it was Henri Kamara. It scored the way and Larson scored for Sweden so was Henri Kamara a better player than
0: Larson? No uh, Is that a rhetorical question? <laughs> <or>? Absolutely yes <laughs> <laughs> Do you know See for that tournament I think my favourite goal in that tournament apart from every single one that we scored against England was the um, was that the one Larson scored the diving either? i think that was the euros was that the euros no. right okay i'm not sure either hey royalty news against this <laughs> even magic Uh paddy what tournament were you going for oh mate easy one easy one world cup 1998 it's probably it's probably the only world cup i ever remember enjoying um absolutely i loved it i remember it i had, when, when when I when I used to buy the record when it was all right to buy the record, I remember I had a big out a big spread, and it was up in my bedroom wall. And I remember running back for school every day to fill out the you know the the team charts like this one, one that one, one I know. But, uh, no, I was actually was actually reminiscing about the World, the World Cup a wee bit. So I think that one was the first. I think that was the first World Cup where they extended the teams for something like 20, 20 odds to like thirty two. Uh, which kind of gave me an impetus for other teams to come in and have a go. And I think if he's all look back that World Cup, it was very attack-minded. You know, there wasn't a lot of teams coming in and playing like a Catanaccio style or or defensive football. Everybody was kind of there. They were all ready to have a go. The golden goal was first introduced at that World Cup. uh, And I believe... Somebody scored it, and they're still the only person to have scored the golden goal of World Cup, and it was Laurent Blanc for France. Uh, I think that might have been in the quarters. No, was that no? Was that no? Lillian Duran? No, the golden goal. I don't know. I'm sure it was. I might be wrong, but I'm sure, I'm sure it was. Uh, who did I say? Lauren Blanc? Ah, uh, Laurent Blanc. Laurent Blanc, did.
2: aye. Lillian Teram scored a double in one of the games, I think.
0: I think he did, aye. Right. Gav's Googling, Gav's Googling, we can hear you.
2: Well, uh, Henri Kamara scored a golden goal at the World Cup as well, so is he better than Laurent Long? Right, okay. Aye, that was sure? that Senegal game. Aye, a Senegal-Sweden game, as I say. I had that in my head earlier, and then it just dawned me who it was it well, who it was a thought that scored, so I had to double-check it. Aye, Henri Kamara scored a golden goal. So, was he better oh. more on Long and Tennant Larson? Is
0: that a rhetorical question? That is a rhetorical question again, yes. <laughs> but do, do, do you know what do you know what sticks in my mind as well about the, the World Cup 1998? is for me it was kind of it was the last it was the last world cup of, of, of a generation you know you had guys like romario still played for for brazil kind of guys like that and it was it, 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 like you look at the wingers the wingers were just they were proper old school wingers but a left winger was a left winger who would get doing the box and cross the board with his left his left foot same again with the right you had players trying to score headers they, they, were, they were getting crosses in like kind of like, like that kind of old school it's no that inverted winger kind type stuff maybe they was trying to pass the ball into the net everybody was willing to ping half ping shots for everywhere and I, 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 actually sat, I actually sat there day, watched all the goals and I, I I think I can count on one hand the amount of kind of snidey goals it was there all of the, them were top class you know that France actually won that tournament
1: without having I sent a forward to scored a goal, it wasn't it? Oh, Stefan Givash, who eventually signed for the Rotten Mob.
0: Was that When did he yeah. sign for him?
1: Well, like the year after. <laughs> well, I uh, that, that, that was a, a belter of a World Cup. I'm a Brazil fan um, and I've, I've supported them since 1994, so I was gutted whenever they get beat 3-0 by France in the final, I I, I didn't see it coming. 3-0 in the final and Ronaldo taking that, you didn't really know, you you knew that there was something wrong. You heard about it. And then, is he going to play? Is he not going to play? He plays, but he just, he was a shadow of himself. And that's the player that, that the team looked up to. Obviously, Rivaldo was fantastic in that tournament. But Ronaldo, the main man, you know, he, it was a horrible final for me to watch. Um, I've never
0: been a big well, France fan, but well, big big uh, big Zizou was one of my heroes. Growing up. Obviously, I love I love the, the real Ronaldo, the only Ronaldo. But uh, I don't know if you remember, Gav, or if you've ever heard, like, have you ever heard any of the kind of the kind of theories or conspiracies regarding that game?
1: I, I'm sure like McGinty is one of the types of characters who would have a few conspiracy theories
0: about that but give me your worst so basically there's kind of two two kind of trains of thought. so Ronaldo's actually came out and spoke about this uh, so apparently i think it was the night before the game apparently had a kind of some sort of a, an epileptic seizure uh now Ronaldo never had epilepsy or whatnot um, Apparently Roberto Carlos had to kinda of rush to aid, he was taking a fit, foaming at the mouth for us kind of stuff. Um and Mark, he fell off my boat. Sorry. It's a thing. Fair off. It's a ghost. Um I <laughs> and apparently Ronaldo was the playing in the game. Uh he was he was replaced by a guy called uh who was it? Edmundo. Edmundo Edmund, Edmundo, I think it was. So apparently up until like the last 15 minutes before kickoff Edmundo's team, Edmundo's name was on, the, was on the team board. And then apparently the, the guy who ran the Brazilian kind of federation uh, for football came into the dressing room, spoke to the manager, walked to it. Then the managers apparently went right up to the board, scrubbed out Edmundo's name and put Ronaldo on. So one of the theories behind that is that Nike and Adidas were kind of the, big, the biggest sponsors. Of that tournament but Nike as you can remember probably for the kind of merchandise the, the the brilliant advert the guys running through the airport Nike sponsored Brazil and apparently Nike gave x amount of money to the Brazilian Federation and Nike potentially demanded that Ronaldo played in that game or else they were going to kind of withdraw money or, or hold money back so the the guy from the Federation could then virtually made Ronaldo play so if you look at the game Ronaldo was very, very subdued. He, he, he was a shadow of a player. You know, he wasn't running a He was kind of kind of lost. So that's 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 potentially a kind of a side effect to that. But that's one of the things that I heard. And the other thing I heard was that <laughs> probably Tin Hat kind of stuff was that Adidas somehow managed to rig the game uh, by what was it, Nick? Like? Some, somebody managed to rig the game and Paid Brazil off says you lose the final to, to France and will get a World Cup at some point soon in the future. And Brazil got a World Cup in 2014, so you never know. Hi,
1: hi. Um so my World Cup would be nineteen ninety-four, uh, despite being the same age as Paddy. Um the reason I remember ninety-four so well was because although I watched the games, I also had I was lucky enough to have two video cassettes and I, I watched them back repeatedly after the, the, the tournament finished, and it was just ingrained in my mind, um, all the games, the the highlights. Uh, I, I'm just such a big fan of that. I, I'm, I've i got a deep nostalgia for that. I've actually been collecting a few shots from that era as well. Um, and it, 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 that was held in the USA, and the USA was never known, much like places like Qatar and Russia, et cetera, um, never known as a footballing country. Um, but they had the infrastructure to, to 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 be the host of this um they had massive stadiums and just like americans they got right behind it their national team that was a curious one because they never had a league at that point you remember the old mls the old version where it had like people like um george best um who else mm-hmm. uh, Pele, and stuff like that but that league was disbanded years back, just because of lack of funding. It was a failed business venture. But whenever '94 came about, the USA never had a national league. and their national players comprised of college footballers and a few a handful of players who played in Europe. So they ended up getting this genius coach, who had, it was like a kind of a Sam Allardyce, who was like a specialist for relegations. He got they got this guy and he basically treated the USA national team as a club team and they played so many friendlies that despite the lack of talent, they just became so familiar as a unit that they became hard to beat. And that's what they were like. They actually, they wanted to avoid the ignominy failure of not being able to, as being the first host nation, not to be able to qualify from a group. And under this coach, they managed to do that. But so that, that, that was one interesting feature that I learned about. Of course, Diana Ross kicking things off i wish had the open goal the americans with a big so c- ceremonious <laughs> openings they, they they did this thing it was a fucking load of shit. you're just waiting for the world cup to start for the kickoff for the first game but they've got all these clowns on the on the pitch and diana ross she's just made a kick it into <laughs> an open goal but she misses. the she misses it and puts it past the post um they also had the three tenors, pavarotti and two other opera guys singing i want to be in america just that nostalgia i love that shit. um so it was also the greatest football tournament for football shot designs. Check out some of the the beautiful football shot designs. You've got the Germany home and away. You've got the the Sweden, the Sweden away and home. Oh, it's beautiful. And I've actually got a couple we lost at the back. Love it, absolutely love it. And if anybody remembers the Mexican goalkeeper, um, James, have you ever heard this? George Campos. It looked like I, a fucking a loud shots. Peacock aye uh, he actually designed his own shots man and like he was like, a wee tiny goalkeeper but he was actually okay at uh, being in goals um very very extravagant character um but another thing that, that people would appreciate this world cup england failed to qualify for so that's another reason why i'm happy to collect the shots from that tournament because i'll never have to get an england top um Another one to remember is Stoichkov from Bulgaria. They were at their peak. Stoichkov, one of my favourite players from, from the 90s. Um, they actually put out Germany. They were the, the, the holders from the previous one in 1990. Bulgaria beat Germany in the, the quarters, I think it was. Um, a 2-1 victory with, with Lechkov, scored in a diving header. And you had like, Georgi Hadji as well. Um, he was at his peak playing for Romania. And you had Rie who scored the, uh, a wee lob over Paliuka. That was a famous win for ireland against italy um and romario bebeto they were uh, they ended up like winning the tournament for brazil and they spearheaded the attack and one of the most memorable games was brazil when they wore the blue and they beat holland that was one of the the most exciting games it was 3-2 to brazil and the after he scored his goal he did the famous rock the baby celebration which a lot of people kind of replicate
2: now so it all started for him and
0: James,
2: oh, you, ever you ever seen the two escapers?
0: The film, Good. great program. Ah, yeah. fantastic! i I've seen a couple of
1: movies, but not the uh, two escapers. I don't know if you remember that one, then, Gal.
0: No,
2: no, the movie. I, I know, I know what happened
1: with the guy from uh, Colombia. He scored an, an own goal and he got shot. Uh, but apparently so
2: the rumor goes it was escobar that put a hit out on him and there's a film about it, it films really really good i think it was an espn film it used to be on mm. uh, it used to be on youtube get a watch it's really really good Fair does, fair does. Um, right i've yeah. got a
0: question if you're finished, Gav. You finished? Sorry, but... waiting for me to finish right a couple of other things
1: oleg excellent. he man. scored five goals um he signed for the rotten mob but that had a ah. shite career um Maradona, his goal celebration after his brilliant goal against Greece um, and whenever he ran to the camera you could just see that he was coked out his nut he failed a drug test subsequently and the Baggio penalty miss in the, in the final, uh, Sky got over the bar and that sealed uh, the victory for Brazil And what was, t- to be honest, a very very boring final but that was me, 94, Paddy, what we were you going to say?
0: Did, they, did, did Frank, Franco Berezi miss the penalty there as well? Yes, very easy, too. Uh, oh, fucking some legends are uh. Roberto Baggio, by the way, one of the worst haircuts I've will ever see. Um, so here's one, right? So <coughs> oh, terrible, mate, terrible. It was like a perim slash ponytail, something that barely
2: was Ronaldo's no two
0: that I may or may not have had. Uh, you definitely had that. <laughs> 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 uh, right. So, so if if we were if a day scores right, I don't suppose he's no who sang the theme songs for your world cups I, I think you've got an idea who done 94 Gabba do tell uh the three Tenels the three Tenels James, you getting I couldn't even one. tell you I couldn't even tell you what the O2 song was to be honest uh I can't I can't even name of it but it was a guy called Vangelis uh and he was most famous for you know composing the chariots of fire Music so very very versed guy so uh, guess who guess who sang the theme song for my World Cup? Ricky Martin, right? Hey, Michael
2: Jackson. You fuck it!
0: How the fuck did you know that? Oh, I
2: am on fire tonight <laughs> How did you know that? I don't know. It's, it, as soon as you said that, I'd Ricky Martin the man. No, going <laughs> so to lie. You, so you've
0: so you've got, got, R- you get you, so got so you get Ricky Martin <laughs> on the brain, right? <laughs> yeah, Ricky Martin left aye ricky song. Quick, quite song <laughs> quite, quite embarrassed. Aye, so yeah, uh, we, we, we've got we've got the three tenors we've got vangelis and we've got
2: fucking ricky martin <sighs> nah best world cup song canaan waving flag 2010 catchy song you'll ever hear i don't even know if it was the official song it was in the coca-cola advert canaan waving flag i would sing it but i'm not gonna you can youtube it <laughs>
1: yeah by the way talking yeah. about music how, how annoying were they vuvuzelas at the south african oh, world cup yeah. horrendous it, Matt,
0: absolutely horrendous it, uh, right it, it, it was as if it was just like a big swarm of bees one of the two settings oh,
1: yeah yeah right okay so for this world cup predictions gonna ask you who's the strongest out of all the europeans and can argentina and brazil are they the only realistic competitors to the europeans because Nobody else is. More. No, Uruguay. They were. They were the, the 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 original winners. Um, but Argentina and Brazil. I'm a Brazil man, so I'm going to say my prediction is Brazil to win. But who's the strongest at the Europeans?
2: I think France has probably get the strongest team, but they've not got the greatest manager. Germany, maybe. I I can't see past Argentina.
0: Who's the French manager again? Is it Deschamps still? Deschamps, aye. By the way, what a player that was. Loved him as a player. Yeah, the water what? carry was his nickname. I talk about defensive just, midfielders. That's, that's why I was thinking about it.
1: I wouldn't have put him up there. I know that he was good to play for Juventus and and win it with, with, with France, but... ah. Uh,
0: no, mate. I mean, it was I it, it. he was you, a could break, you could break Top quality, to clear. Top quality. Eh? Um, Maybe i being right so you're going you're going brazil you're going france no no i'm going argentina oh sorry brazil argentina Uh, do you know what i honestly think i i think we might see a a, a kind of different a different winner this year Uh,
1: i think i think belgium's time has passed aye Aye.
0: Mm -hmm. aye I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, see Spain winning it. I don't think they're strong enough. I think they've got quite a young team as well, and uh, some k- k- cracking, cracking, players. I, I know young Gabby, Gavin. Uh He's been getting the number nine jersey, so I don't think that they've got like that kind of strong striker type in the team. <sighs> Uruguay might be a shoot, sure, maybe an outside shoot, possibly. I think I read somewhere that they're they planning on starting uh Nunez and Suarez up front. I know Suarez is kind of fucking past his peak, but still a very dangerous person. Um. What about England? <laughs> Fuck off. Um. Oh God, this is hard. Isn't
2: it? <laughs> I think if you're writing it, you're looking for an Argentina Portugal final, aren't you? That'd be the that'd be the best <sighs> outcome.
0: Portugal? Oh, I think Portugal, Portugal
2: get any chance. I, well, and, and, I know, I know,
0: the, I know the the World Cup supercomputer that's predicted that Argentina's going to win. Um, I, I, it would be nice. It'd be nice to see Messi actually win a World Cup and then just kind of drop the mic and just retire. I say fuck you, fuck you, Ronaldo, fuck you. Um I don't know, yeah, I don't know. I, I really actually do hope it's a kind of outsider that wins it because it's generally the same kind of teams, into it? That wins. I know the Euros you've, you've had a couple of different winners and that, but mm, I'm gonna go Serbia. It's a school night okay. like you did drinking. <laughs> <laughs> No, say, by, mean, way, by, the way, by the way, Serbia's got a very good team. Mitrovic, I'm going to put money on him being top goal
2: scorer. I'm going to go Argentina, Lautaro Martinez, top goal scorer. My dark horses, if they can be even classed as dark horses, I'd go the Dutch. Oh, the Dutch, the
1: Dutch. <sighs> I'm trying to even think of a potential top scorer. It's funny with Italy being out, man. um Aye. But Brazil, by the way, for me, even though I can't understand Neymar, I just want to put that out there. I do not like Neymar. But I think defence, goalkeeper, midfield, attack, wingers, Brazil have got it all, man. They're not as strong as 2002, not as strong as 1998. But I think this is a year where France aside, France are very, very good in paper. But I think Spain are still a young team. Netherlands, they look to be a team in transition as well. A lot of people think Argentina, of course, but I don't know about Argentina's defence. Other midfield. They've mm-hmm. got people like Los Elso trying to pull the strings. By the
0: way, there's uh, there's Paul McFarlane. How you doing, buddy? Uh, they're saying Frimpong to score the winner in a World Cup final. Question marks. Uh, by the yeah. way, by the way sorry, can I just jump on just stone that a wee no, you
2: <laughs> <laughs> Who is the last Celtic player to have played in a World Cup final? Edson Bradley. Last, that's one each for Ricky Martin. Then,
0: <laughs> <laughs> by the way, after, I no long, not long after coming on at Patodre, it literally caused him four goals. And then the guy rocks up at a World Cup final mm-hmm.
2: and yields the ball back to the keeper. Do you mind that? Because oh. up to he did it back to the keeper, it gets all rang, and it comes off his ear, but still, horrendous. The mate.
0: The horrendous. Actually, one of the worst performances you have ever seen for, for a Celtic player. Yeah. I was going to say, by the way, apparently, because Frimpong is playing at the World Cup partly due to the sale on because i think celtic's going to be getting something like 1.5 million i thought really is it mm. as much as that i think so eh? that's fucking crazy that it's is... great well, i'll take it i'll take it every day right you're right uh i'm going to change my team i, I was obviously I was, I was only kind of jesting about um but i think they'll do well uh i'm going to go I'm just, at the, I'm just looking at the groups. Ah, fuck it. I'm going to go for the, the fairy tale ending. Argentina. Lionel Messi won the World Cup.
2: Maybe which side bet is that England won't go to their
0: group. Oh, who are they? Group? So England, Wales, Iran, England. And Iran, Iran, USA, and who's the other team?
1: Wales. England, Wales,
0: and IRA. Oh, sorry, Iran. Uh, I'm saying
2: Wales and America are getting out that group with England in third way one point
0: there you are Paul yes that's true Paddy 1.5 million extra for front pump that's a great fucking great fee
1: I think Iran are going to stink the joint out with defensive football I, yeah I can't see Iran playing ex- explosive football put it that way I think they're going to stink the, the joint out
0: no I don't think they're going to
1: Blow teams out the water. They could implode, you never know.
2: Mm.
1: No. I don't think I've got any dynamic in that team. <laughs> oh <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> okay. um, well we wrap it up for this evening then, unless we've got any other shit jokes. Uh,
0: especially, especially after that fucking dapper the- <laughs> <laughs> quite the Bob uh, Shall we uh, done? Oh nuclear. Aye, so obviously, um aye, we're into the break now into the World Cup. So I don't know who is going to be staying up to watch Celtic, but I think on Thursday, our time, British Standard time, I think Celtic play at quarter to nine Thursday morning. Uh and then I believe we, so that's obviously against Sydney fucking whatever they are, Sydney. Somebody, and then we play Everton Divine. on what? Divine.
2: <sighs> hey maybe.
0: <mommy. laughs> you're too young for stuff. <laughs> um, aye, quarter to nine. I think it is our time Thursday morning, and then we play Everton. And I think that that kick off. Is, is, cool. is it? I like four o'clock in the morning now. Aye,
2: so quality we, four kick
0: off. So we'll be on for the post match, I take it, aye. <laughs> <laughs> Finally, you know, listen, if you're up, we might we might do it. We might try and get this do You know, I didn't send for that one. uh Anybody going to be watching the games? Anybody want to brave it? Yeah, I know you two bar pots work for the house, so you've got every fucking opportunity. Yes,
2: I'll work for him on Thursday and I'll set an alarm for Saturday night.
1: Aye, if there's a will, there's a We'll see if I can get on.
0: Nice one. I'll definitely try and watch the game Sunday morning. Sunday? Saturday, Sunday. Is it Saturday is it to Sunday? Saturday into Sunday, I Right, that's fine. No, I I'll definitely watch that one. Uh, any, any kind of surprises? Anybody you think will stand out? Players?
2: I think all eyes will be on Vata. I think Aaron Moyle plays best game considering he's no there. By the way, sorry, just to get back, have you seen Australia's squad for the World Cup? Ah,
0: honestly, eh, I honestly
2: relegated to the SPL, it is horrendous. By the uh, way, a lot, a, a, lot of them's, a lot of them's coming for the SPL. Aye, aye, there's a couple facing St. Mirren, I think, isn't there? A couple, of, yeah, one couple for heart's f- couple St.
0: Martin, eh, uh, a
2: hearts. wee Cammy Devlin's gone for hearts. But no, Jason Cummins at a World Cup, how's that happened? Come, dog. Aye, he's shite,
1: man. He's shite, but he's good Mm. enough for them.
0: Mm. So, you'll go with Rocco Vat and then Gaff? Aye, aye. Mine Next one. Yourself? I think... I think you may be right. I think he's going to get a couple of... uh, Certainly going to get some game time, I think. Possibly... Possibly more so against... Sydney, Sydney FC, might get a wee wee cameo appearance against Everton. I'd be delighted if we beat Everton, not because I hate Everton, but because I hate Frank Lampard with a passion. Um, Aye, so nice money maker for Selig. good break for the guys, good experience. Ange homecoming, aye, great stuff, making a bit of money as well.
1: So unless we're up to anything, then we'll just do another Tuesday TikTok if we can. We might do a wee post-match review after the two games, but we'll see. If not, we'll be back on next Tuesday. Um, aye, any further comments for you two guys before we wrap it up for this evening?
0: Absolutely not. Just delighted to be getting into the break. Nine points clear of our nearest rivals. Looking forward to the squad coming back refreshed. Look forward to January to see who we can get in. And. Uh, Aye, the boys will come back all guns blazing again, romping on for the title. James, one last question. Jenk,
1: and I know that we shouldn't really focus too much on it, but Jank Gio will still be in the dugout whenever the, the World Cup finishes.
2: Yes. I I seen just a four week on Twitter that they were standing by him. So however long that lasts, who knows? But aye. Fingers crossed they don't poach Martin Dale. Fantastic.
1: Fantastic. You're good, you're good, you're, you're- good. Proper. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Aye, a street pharmaceutical salesman. Um, guys, thanks very much for tuning in. If you've not done so, can you please hit the like button? Um, and I uh, catch us. Ciao. <laughs>